on everybody welcome back to diamond talk today we're talking about the future and if you've been listening to our past podcast we've been going we've been going and talking about some of the past grades for, for franchises now we get to look into the future and take out our crystal balls and see if you know how, how our predictions for some of these players will go before we get into that we do have a bit of news uh since our last episode, guys like Buster Posey have opted out of, of playing this year due to uh, COVID and having uh, some children that they had, that him and his wife adopted. Another piece of news, uh, Yasio Puig just signed with the Braves after Nick Markakis opted out. So I think it's a good point to get us started. Nick, Rob, man, how are you guys doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Getting ready to do another episode. Definitely uh, some good topics that we're going to dive into. Yeah, I'm doing excellent. Happy to do some regular baseball. I love the drafts and they're fun, but getting back in the swing of actual baseball is way more fun. Absolutely. And the one thing we've seen with these, like uh, MLB is calling it summer camp. We've seen a lot of these prospects that don't typically get exposure in the major leagues at this point of the year. We see them out there competing for, for roster spots. We see them facing major league pitching because a lot of times they're they're facing other guys that are going to be part of that. Uh, I guess we call it bubble roster for, for COVID-19 and stuff like that. So it's, it's a really exciting time. Plus the fact that a lot of teams have already said that they're going to bring some of their youth up just because it's not really going to count against them. And they get that major league experience against some major league pitching or if they're pitchers against some major league hitting. So it, it could be good for, for, for everybody. And I think right now we're looking, we're looking for a little good. So what we're going to do today is we, we all picked a few guys that we feel we need to talk about on MLB's <clears> top 100 <throat> prospect list. And some of these guys are guys you may have heard of. And some of these guys are maybe a year or two away because they're, they're too young. But either way, we thought that there were people that you needed to hear about. And we felt like we were the people to give you that information. So without any further interruption, man, we're, we're going to go ahead and we're going to throw it to Rob. Rob. How about you tell us about your first prospect and, and give us that rundown? Yeah, so uh, definitely a good uh, list of prospects that we're going to take a look at here. But definitely a guy that I wanted to take a look at simply because I think he can be a very impactful guy, especially because compared to some of the other guys, he's kind of on that cusp already where we might even see a little bit of him in these next 60 games. And my first guy is going to be Alec Baum. I, I think that's how you say his last name, Baum or Boehm. Um, He's the number 30 prospect overall. Um, and just a disclaimer, we are going with the MLB.com uh, ranking. So all the prospects in terms of, you know, if we state their rankings are going to be from MLB.com um, just to kind of, kind of follow that format. But yeah, he's the, the number 30 overall prospect for the Phillies. He Well, he's actually their number one prospect, but he's number 30 overall. I had actually posted something a little bit uh, back that he recently signed with Scott Boris. We all know Scott Boris for the super agent that he is. So that means he's going to be well represented. That pretty much means his value even though he hasn't done anything at the major league level, his value is already higher than a lot of other normal prospects. Simply by being represented by Scott Boris, we know the type of contracts that he gets, even you know, decent to mid-level players. Um, he has good power potential, great bat speed. Uh, the question for him is going to be whether Philly's going to put him at first or third. We might see a little bit in these 60 games behind uh, Hoskins over at first, but I do think he's eventually going to be put at third um, unless he gains you know, a little bit of, of weight. Maybe they shift him over to first. 
Um, but yeah, like I said, he can already add to a, to a strong lineup there with Bryce Harper and, and Ramuto and some of the other guys that they have there. But in 2019, he had 21 homers with 70 RBIs while hitting 305 with an 896 OPS. So he put up good numbers in the minors. Um, and yeah, I think he he has a lot of potential, which he has to fill because he was the number three overall pick in, in his draft. Um, but yeah, I think he he's a really good player. He's going to be well represented, very good bat coming in for Philly. Um, and the interesting thing with him is going to be if we're going to see, I haven't looked into it, but with this whole, you know how they usually do service time manipulation, um, we're going to have to see if if any of that takes place with him and how that would work in these next 60 games. So those are some good questions, especially with service time manipulation, because this isn't this isn't like any other year. You know, some of the rules have gone out the window and will go out the window. You know, we, we already heard about the fact that no matter what happens, whether you opt in or out, if you're a player who who is on a team this year and your contract is up, your contract is up regardless whether you play right. or not. So yeah, I know, and, and I do believe that. we we were going to see some because um, I read a little bit into it. I'm pretty sure we were going to see some service time manipulation for him this year. If we were having a regular 162 game season, I I think he would have been one of those prime guys where you probably see come up around June or the All Star break after you know that. Like kind of like that Chris Bryant situation where you let that month go by and then you call him up. So, but with these sixty games, we'll we'll see when they decide to call him up. Yeah, no, d- definitely, Th- those are good points. And you know, some, some of the stuff of Alec Baum. You know, I- I'll ask you this question, and Nick, you can answer too if you have an opinion on it. But where do, where do you ultimately see him playing? Because I personally don't see him as a third baseman. But the problem is that. The Phillies have Riz Hoskins, who was event was they they wanted him left field, and then they're like, oh, that's a really bad idea. Let's put him back at first. So yeah. that's kind of a clog. Where, where do you see his career going? And again, Nick, if you have anything on him, go go ahead and, and chime in too. Yeah, because I definitely want to let Nick get in here, so I'm just gonna be quick with it. I think I think he comes into the league as a third baseman because I think it's a spot that you know you can move guys like uh, Kingery and Segura around and stuff put him at different positions. Didi could play some third. But in terms of primary third baseman, you he probably comes in at third base, give it a couple years, he shifts over to first base. But the real question is going to be, are we going to keep the universal DH? That's going to change things. If Philly has the option to put him at DH, his bat will never be out of the lineup. Very nice. Nick, do you have anything on him? <clears throat> yeah, man, I really like his bat a lot. And he's he's not a bad defensive third baseman. He's just not Manny Machado over there. He's not Nolan Arenado for sure. I see him at first base because I the, D, the DH is in the National League forever. It's not going to go back to what it was. Uh, this is just a reason to make it happen all of MLB. So Reese Hoskins is going to be the DH because he really isn't even that good of a first baseman. And I think Alec Baum goes over to first base. He's got great plate discipline, which you don't see often in such a young hitter. And one of the things that I like to look at, I've talked about is you know walks to strikeouts. And what I've talked about with pitchers is the percentage. And as a hitter, he's almost one-to-one. His best walk percentage in the minors was a 12.9 as far as a high. And his lowest K percentage was an 11.9. If you take those two together, he's walking more than he's hitting. That's pretty amazing for a guy that came out of college. And to do that, even in the minor leagues, is still pretty studly. And he's not going to blow you away with any serious power. But he's still going to be very good on base guy because of that. That's a pretty high walk percentage. 12.9 is a pretty good walk percentage. And if he gets better at it, then it's going to get him better. He's got a lot of guys around him that can teach him a lot. Didi DeGroyus, sorry, Didi Gregorius, Gene Segura, uh, Scott Kingery can really teach him the ropes as a young stud over there who had a lot of expectations. And Andrew McCutcheon, Bryce Harper, Jay Bruce, 
he's going to be able to learn a lot. He's surrounded by a lot of talent that can really teach him. I'm really excited to see what he's got coming up. Yeah, he, 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 he spoke about the guys around him. The, the one thing I'm going to say about Alec Baum, to keep it short, is he's a low-effort pop guy. So he's not one of those guys that's herky-jerky when it comes to, to hitting bombs. He's a pretty tall dude. He has a little bit of Machado. In, I mean, not Machado. He has a little Arenado in his swing when you see him take some cuts in certain locations. So, so someone that the Philly fans are definitely excited about. Nick, man, we're going to kick it to you. Who's, who's a, a prospect you want to highlight? So I'm going to highlight kind of low to high, and I'm going to go with my new favorite team with the Pirates and Mr. O'Neill Cruz. He's a 21-year-old shortstop who got drafted in, or actually got signed as an international free agent out of the Dominican Republic in 2015 as a 16-year-old from the Dodgers. And if there's anything I know, the Dodgers know how to pick young guys from the Dominican Republic, and they know how to pick them right. So that's already an A-plus grade for anybody. And he got traded in the Tony Watson trade over to the Pirates. And the highest level he's hit is double A. But in his three years in pro ball, he's grown three inches and he came in at six foot four. So he's now six foot seven, 210 pounds. And when you talk about easy power, this guy has it. If you watch video on him, he almost flicks the wrist and hits the ball out. And that's even before they were playing with the bouncy ball. His swing uh, comp that I would have to him would be Marcelo Zuna. His hands start off kind of low. It's a little Mookie Betts-ish the way he starts, but the way he pulls the bat through the zone is a lot like Marcelo Zuna. And I think that's a pretty fair comp to what to expect from him where he could have anywhere from an MVP-type season to a pretty average outfielder as far as batting average. But the power... This guy has Aaron Judge type of power because of the length of his swing, a six foot seven frame, a la Aaron Judge. There's just so much mass and there's so much length to his swing. It's almost impossible for him not to have a lot of power. This really could be a 50, 60 home run guy. It's not going to be on an annual basis because his contact skills aren't there. His swing is a little long, but he's a number 64 overall MLB prospect. And I think he should be more top 40 because to me, prospects are what you think he's going to do. And this guy can play a really good shortstop. I would put his defense around the Troy Tulowitzki, where he's probably not going to win a gold glove, but he's not going to hurt you. But his arm is Manny Machado, Brandon Crawford type of arm. It might be the best shortstop arm in all of the minor leagues across all levels. So he's got, he can stick at shortstop. There's just there's only been one other ever seven seven foot seven uh sorry six foot seven inch shortstop that's ever played in MLB. So the likelihood of him staying there because of his height is maybe more of a right fielder, but he's got the arm and he's got the wheels for it. His raw power ranks as an 80, which is the top of the scale, and even his in-game power ranks as a 60. So he's gonna be a stud coming up for the Pirates, look for a lot of bombs. And if he sticks at shortstop, even though the Pirates have a lot of good shortstops ahead of him, he can definitely be an everyday player at shortstop or right field and even all-star potential along the way. I'll say this about O'Neal. Anybody who's over 6'6 in the MLB and they play and, and you know, they're, they're a hitter, they kind of scare me because what we see typically, we saw it with Richie Sexton, and I hate to say this, but I think we're going to see where Aaron Judge eventually is. You start – getting holes in your swing as you get older just because you naturally slow down you don't you don't have that same a same snap to the zone as you get older and you kind of got to rely on 
on some veteran tactics, kind of, you know what I mean? Knowing, you know, knowing what pitch is coming and, and being able to anticipate that. But, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned his power and yeah, that's, that's the one thing scouts, scouts are, you know, harping on. And the, the last guy, the most recent guy to have a power rating that high was Pete Alonzo. We saw what Pete Alonzo just did this past season, which was his rookie year. And, but yeah, he, he he's so long, man. And, you know, Going to someone who has a pair of people who could be playing uh, small forward in the in the NBA, Rob, what do you have on O'Neal? Yeah, no, I I agree with a lot of what Nick said. I think the one thing that stands out for him definitely is his his arm strength. He he probably does have the strongest arm in the minors, and I think it's impressive that you know essentially we're talking about a guy here who, if he was six seven, like yeah, he stands out. But the fact that he's essentially coming into the league as a six seven shortstop, which is not something that you see, it's very rare. Um, I would I would probably compare him a bit to to someone. I mean, and I'm just talking about size here. I'm not even talking about like type of player, but maybe like Carlos Correa. You know that 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 height at shortstop. I, I think that height could benefit him. A little bit um but like nick said we're gonna have to see if if the pirates keep him at shortstop i would hope that they do if he work if he works at that position um because i don't think that the pirates you know long long are long gone are the days of of honus wagner you know the pirates have some guys at shortstop but they're i don't think any of the guys that they have there at shortstop right now not including um o'neill are, are necessarily the answer at shortstop i think they're just temporary guys he can definitely be the answer if he develops into what his potential is. Um, and that could be very good for the Pirates, especially with other young guys like uh, Bell and Reynolds there. Um, they could put it together a pretty solid team if their guys develop properly. There you go, man. And, you know, one thing I want to say about the prospect rankings, because we, we bring them up a lot, is when, when these people make their list, right? So when MLB.com makes their top prospect list, when – uh, you know what's that other website uh, that's on top of my head right now? Uh, Baseball, fan, fan yeah. Oh. Like when fan graphs make their list, they they all have different criteria to a certain extent, right? Mm-hmm. So, so some people go by how close they are to, to to being major league ready. Some people go by where they project them career wise and what kind of player they'll be. So it, you know, and some of them even mix that within their own ranking. So that's why that's why it's so different for everybody, and that's why we're going off. MLB.com's rankings, just because that way we all, we all have one thing to look at. That being said, I'm, I'm going to go on to my guy. And the guy I, that I picked to, to highlight first is Adley Rushman. And he was he was drafted really recently, 2018, I believe, I, I want to say. And he came out of Oregon State where he absolutely crushed it. He was co-defensive co player of the year when he came out. Offensively, he was one of the guys that was more professional ball ready coming out. You know what I mean? His, his comparisons have kind of been in my, in my, in, in my opinion, a little exaggerated. I've heard things at, you know, as high as Joe Maurer, cause he was one of the highest rated catchers when he was drafted in 2001. And then I've seen people who are really high in his defense, but they're, they're, they don't know about his offense. It's going to stick. The one thing, you know, I'm going to give you some pros and cons here. You know, the pros I have of Ali Rushman is he's a leader. You know I mean? He's a clubhouse guy. He's someone that pitchers are going to be very comfortable throwing to. He's going to take charge. And it's kind of what you want from the catcher position. You don't want just another player at the catcher position. You want somebody who's going to accept leadership. You know, he, he he's an energizer bunny. He's, one, he's going to be one of the most athletic catchers we see out there. 
he's not quite the level at of JT Riomuto as far as you know athleticism behind the plate, but he's pretty damn close. Uh, my defensive comp for him is actually Buster Posey, and if you know anything about Buster Posey when he came out, he was originally a shortstop who they put behind the plate. Rushman is, is, is a natural catcher, but he has those kind of skills. He has that kind of movement ability. Defensively, he's also already at, at a very young age a really good uh, you know pitch framer. So he's definitely going to be someone that pitching staffs are really excited to have. You know, hitting wise, his comp is not Buster Posey though. You know, hitting, hitting wise was a little weird. I was trying to look at catchers that reminded me of, of the way he hits, and I, I really couldn't find a switch hitting catcher that kind of have a short swing like he did. And, and the best I could come up with when I was looking at him was someone like Ezdrubal Cabrera, where Ezdrubal Cabrera has pop, and he's had seasons where he was an above average hitter. So that's not that's not a crazy comp for me, Ezdrubal Cabrera. Uh, you know, at least in my opinion, if, if it was, I wouldn't have, have picked it, obviously. But he, he's someone that. As he grows, uh, as he gets older, his hitting style will change a little bit. Right now, he's a little bit too athletic. And what we see from athletic hitting catchers is that as they get older, they start losing their legs a little bit. We see that with Buster Posey now where his power numbers have gone down. Same thing happened to Joe Maurer. So th- that's kind of what we look for. Some, some of the cons is his power is going to waver. You know what I mean? Uh, he, I think his highest home run total in college was 18. He he played minor league ball last year, and I, I want to say his total was lower than ten. But obviously, that's spread out. You know, the way minor leagues work, you don't play for one one team the whole season. You play on on different levels. So he also only had thirty seven games last year. So yeah, yeah. So exactly. But uh, you know, I personally, from from what I see, I don't I don't think he projects to be a high power guy. You know what I mean? Uh, so so that's one of my cons for him. You know, I, th- I think with, with all catchers, especially, especially, you know, as you get into major leagues, it's hard to find guys who are offensively consistent, especially to start off. So that's just one of the cons I have after him. But, you know, Adley Rushman is someone that Oriole fans should be very excited about. You know, uh, you know Nick, you, you know a lot about catchers since you threw, threw some half of your life, man. What, what do you think about Adley Rushman? Yeah, I also played some catcher as well. So I'm definitely high on him for the defensive side of it. I we have another guy we're going to go over, so I don't want to ruin it too much. But he is not my number one catcher in the minor leagues because his arm is very inconsistent to me. And everything I read, it shows that he's strong. But when I watch videos, he's very accurate, but it's not a strong arm. He's very quick. So his pop time from the time the ball hits his mitt to the time it's out of his hand is very quick. It's a one seven to one nine, which is that's Yadier Molina speed. That's crazy fast. So. He's very good there. His arm strength isn't there. His arm accuracy is there. It's not that he has a weak arm. It's just that it's more accurate and quick than it is strong. As far as hitting, I just I think he's hyped because he was on a College World Series team in 2018 where he was the player of the tournament. He won the College World Series MVP. And then he took his team back to the College World Series in 2019, which is very difficult to do. He also won the Golden Spikes Award, which is the best player in college. And he won the best catcher in college. So he comes in very highly regarded. And because Oregon State, where he played, is such a highly touted program since the early 2000s, I think there's a lot of hype to him. And it's really tough. And I hate to say my comp to him is Matt Wieters, who is a guy who's going to be very serviceable. But I think he's just he's never going to play up to the hype, unfortunately. He's not going to have the power to drop 20, 25 bombs a year, I don't think. 
if they keep the same ball that they had last year, that's definitely a possibility. My fear is that he's going to be a 250 to 260 average hitter, which isn't bad for a catcher. It's not number one overall, and it's not number four overall MLB prospect for 2020, in my opinion. If I was a pitcher, I would love to throw to him. He can. He has shown that he can call a game already, and he has his hands are so soft. He's going to get a lot of guys, a lot of strikes, a la Yasmany Grandal. So as a defensive catcher, definitely he's up there. Uh, offensively, I'm not as sold. So it's a, it's a good pick, and I'm glad we're going over him because I just think the hype train for him is a little bit too much. So I'm glad you brought up that Matt Weeders point because I had to fight myself not to make Matt Weeders' comp. Everything in me was, look, it, Orioles drafted Matt Weeders really high. He was supposed to be the face of the franchise for for the next 10 to 12 years. You know what I mean? And I, I really fought myself to not have him to make that same Matt Weeders comp. But, you know, I, I agree with you. Look, I, I don't know. I think catch is probably the hardest position to gauge offensively. Because there's so much that goes into it. You know what I mean? So defensively, you always want someone that's going to be above average, especially in their class, which which Rushman is. Offensively is always going to be the question mark, especially, you know, he's got room to grow there. I don't see, you know, I'm with you. I don't see that 20, you know, unless we're using the same balls last year, which we we probably will be. But I do like his size, though. 6'2", 220, that's a good size catcher. It's not too big to where it's really going to wear him down, but it's also not too small to where he can't take the beating. I, I gotcha. Yeah, no, that, that, that that's very true. Uh, Rob, do you have anything on Rushman? You're probably going to see him a lot as a Yankee fan. Yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, unfortunately, he's going to have a lot of hype to fill simply because, you know, he was a top pick and he also like the Orioles don't have much to look forward to. I mean, if we're going to if we're going to say it like playing out like he's he's probably going to be the most hype player that they have coming up when they do call him up. And I I kind of see him more. Uh, like mid to high level. I don't, I, I agree with Nick in the sense that I don't have him ranked as high as, as MLB.com does, but I do think he's going to be more valuable for Baltimore than just serviceable. I could see him turning into a, a you know, a couple of all-star appearances here and there and stuff. I don't, I, I don't think he's going to, he's going to get, you know, or hit the, all the hype, but I think he can maybe have some standout seasons. I don't think he's going to be a consistent power threat. We're probably going to see anywhere from like 15 to 25 home runs here or there from him. He might have a 30 home run season here, like one or two here and there, whatever. Um, but yeah, if I think the best thing with him is you hope that he turns into somewhat of a consistent type of hitter. So I know uh, Nick said, I think 260. If he can maybe bump that up to maybe a 270, 275, 280 range, like around that range, I mean, I think the value that he's going to bring to the team defensively, like like Nick mentioned, um, and his ability to call games. Obviously, we're not going to compare him fully, fully to someone like Yadier Molina, but you know he probably has uh, better skills at that compared to some of the other catchers um, that are prospects right now. So I think that's going to help him bring value to this team, and to the point where like his offense doesn't have to be elite, but you would hope that you get you know a little bit of the player that you saw in college. Yeah, the Orioles would really enjoy that. They they need they need a lot of those prospects to start hitting. Uh, while you're at it, man, how about you give us your, your next prospect? Yeah, so uh, my next prospect is actually uh, uh, another good one here. Um, I'm going to start looking over at pitching, and I'm going to go with Logan Gilbert. 
He is the Seattle Mariners starting pitching prospect. He's currently number 38 on uh, MLB.com's prospect list. I do think he should he should be a little higher. I think he could he could possibly make a push to I see him making a push towards top 25, top 30 range. Um, so he's not so ridiculously ranked, but I do think he's a little better than, than some guys in front of him. Um, the thing with him is he has a great fastball. Uh, we, we saw a little bit of him recently here. It's been sitting around 95, but it can top out at around 97. And he has a bunch of other solid pitches. Um, in 2019, he started 26 games. He went 10 and 5 with a 2.13 ERA and a 0.95 whip. Definitely solid numbers that he put up in the minors. He has plus level control. And the thing with him is realistically, you look at how the Seattle Mariners are looking right now. Can he be the heir to King Felix? I mean, those are some pretty big shoes to fill. I think the Mariners need pitching. Um, like if we look back at how they were last year, their number one guy was Marco Gonzalez. If Marco Gonzalez is your number one guy, you should look for another number one guy. Like there, there's something that you have to do because I mean, nothing against Marco Gonzalez, but he's probably a number four for most teams, probably a number five for for probably some of the top teams in the league. So him being Seattle's uh, number one is a little bit rough there. And they also, they're also bringing back Taiwan Walker, who was supposed to be their number one, if you remember a couple years ago when he when he came up with them. I think Logan Gilbert has uh, that setup to be that guy. I see him falling a little bit short. Like I think he might be able to turn into a consistent number two for them. Um, but I think he is, you know, he he's definitely a guy that they need in that rotation and he's going to provide another solid arm. Um, they brought Walker back. So we're hopefully he can give them something this time around. And yeah, I think I think Seattle is going to be one of those teams, man. Like we're going to be looking at Seattle with with all these guys. You know, right now, Gilbert's number three ranked right behind Kellenic and Rodriguez. Those are another two guys that are going to be coming up. Seattle's going to be pumping out prospects here in a little bit that I hope puts them puts them on on you know, a good track to take over the AL West because I was thinking about this earlier and um, I believe it's been, what, 2001, Seattle's last playoff appearance. And since then, I mean, you have the Angels. The Angels have the Angels won a World Series in 2002. And then you had Oakland. Oakland has had numerous playoff appearances in the last, you know, few years. The Rangers have gone to World Series. The Astros have won a World Series, even though they cheated to win it. But, you know, like, I'm hoping that this pretty much leads to, to a little like good period in Seattle Mariners baseball where the Mariners can, you know, have a couple of uh, postseason appearances, maybe make a title run with a lot of these guys coming up. Yeah. I think uh, when, I, when I think Mariners and pitching other than Felix Hernandez, I don't, I don't really like the guys that go through there. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned Taewon Walker and that's one that, that, you know, that's a huge miss, man. You, you think about Justice Sheffield right now, and that's another guy that, he just isn't anywhere near what they thought they were getting when they were trading. And yeah, you, you have guys like James Paxton who, who've been who've been all right, and you mentioned Felix, and they have guys that are suitable. But uh, it's rough. It's rough. You, you, you want to see it more than you don't. It's not like the Braves, who you know, even now they just pump out arms that are productive. Nick, what, what do you have on on Mr. Logan Gilbert? I'm a huge fan of Logan Gilbert. I think his ranks on MLB.com are a little high for his fastball. They rate him at a 65 out of 80. And velocity-wise, sitting at 95, topping on 97, unfortunately, that's nothing really special. And it does not have a lot of movement on it. So it's a true forcing fastball. So unless he decides to pick up a sinker or go to a two-seamer, it's going to be, unfortunately, a pretty average Major League fastball. But his changeup has really good arm motion. It's coming out of the same slot, so tunneling 
which is the term for having your pitches all come out of the same location. And it's the best way to fool a hitter. Charlie Morton might be the best pitcher in MLB right now with that from all of his pitches. So I really like his size at 6'6", 225. He's built like a pitcher that should throw hard. He's tall. He's got a great downhill plane. What I really like about him is he went to college at Stetson, and he does not have injury history, which means he either had really good coaches or he knows how to take care of his body. And for a pitcher, that can go a long way. And James Paxton, I think, is one of the best pitchers in MLB, and he came through the Mariners organization, and we already talked about King Felix. And while the Mariners haven't really thrown out a lot of top-end arm talent, they do seem to put out major league serviceable guys pretty consistently that come up through their system. So with the Mariners history on pitching, I'm, I'm excited for him. I just, because his fastball, I don't think it's as good as MLB is rating it. In fact, Fangraphs rates it only a 45 right now, which is just barely average. I think that he's probably going to cap out at a number three starter. If he figures out a sinker or if he really, really can learn better control, he's got good control, but he needs to get even better control a la King Felix, then he could be an ace like a King Felix. I don't see him as being a big strikeout guy. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to have the big strikeout numbers like a Chris Sale or Justin Verlander, but he does have good arm strength going deep into the games like a Justin Verlander. I don't really have a good comp because I haven't seen him enough, but just some of the things that I have seen and some of his, his kind of tendencies will link to guys like that. So I'm excited to see what he brings. If he can get a sinker or add some movement to his fastball or just have really, really top end command on it, he could be an ace for that staff. I just see him right now coming up as a number three. And I think he's right there. I think at number 38 overall, he's probably ranked properly because the pitchers that are ahead of him either have a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, have plus-plus command, or have just an unbelievable fastball changeup off-speed combination. So I think he's right there where he should be in the ranks of pitchers. Overall, though, yeah, there's definitely maybe some some infielders and outfielders that he could go above. But I, I like where he's at. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like the – the biggest fan of Logan Gobert. And I, and look, I'll say this for everyone listening out there. N- neither of us are full-time minor league scouts. And we definitely, at least not at this point, we don't work for any professional teams where we're paid to scout these guys every time they're out there. So a lot of the stuff that like a lot of the visuals are suggested to, and a lot of the, the things we look at are, you know, basing it off other sources that we trust. And, you know, the little snippets we can of, of them throwing or, or the hitter hitting. So there's going to be some error here in, in, in what we're doing today. But, you know, th- that being said, go, going back to Logan Gilbert, you know, I'm I'm not – I wasn't the biggest fan of him when, when I was looking at his stuff, you know what I mean? That fastball, for, at least from the stuff I was looking at, it seemed inconsistent. You know, that, that those reports I saw that – because of overuse during certain parts of his of his career, and granted, still this is a really young guy, and you know a lot of it was just going up in innings. It was he those points in his career where his velocity was lower not low nineties. You guys mentioned his max velocity at ninety seven, so ninety one to ninety seven doesn't seem like a big difference. But the one thing that I do like about Logan Gilbert is that his fastball has life, right? So when it comes out of his hand, it explodes out of his hand, and that's something that. It matters as a hitter, you know what I mean? That, that's a that's a harder fastball to hit than someone who throws 99, but you see it out of his hand and it's just straight. 
So he has stuff working for it. I think command is going to be his biggest thing. Is if he could command all of his pitches, which is, you know, that's not something everyone can do. You have great pitchers that don't do that. But if he can command, you know, all his pitches, or at least three out of four of his pitches, he's going to be in a position where he's going to be successful. And, like, and you know, he's going to be fighting for a rotation spot. Nick, you're up, man. Who, who do you want to talk about? I want to talk about my guy. This is the guy that I've made big fantasy trades for to keep on my dynamite keeper teams. I think this is the number one overall prospect in the minor leagues. And this is the future center fielder for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim out of Disneyland or whatever you want to call them. But uh, they might be the the Joe Adele Angels here soon. And interesting, his first name is actually short for Jordan. I don't know why you wouldn't keep Jordan, but um, his, his he goes by Joe Adele. And this guy is just a physical stud. He's He looks like a football player, a basketball player. He does not look like a baseball player. And the crazy thing, everybody talks about like they're really good athletes or his athleticism. When you look at his swing, it does not look like he should be making contact as often as he does. It does not look like he should have the power that he has. It's a, it's a very basic swing. And I literally watched this guy for probably two hours a day. And I've watched him many times before because I heard on podcast people talking about him. Like, okay, who's this guy that they're hyping up? And I want I compare him to and Chris Murphy, who we've had on the show, hates me for doing this. And he went and looked and he verified it. His swing and his approach and everything about him looks like Andrew McCutcheon. And to me, that means that Joe Adele is a future MVP of this league. And there's nothing that I've seen in all of the fielding tapes, all of the hitting tapes that would take anything away from that. He's six foot three, 215 pounds. He runs like a deer. He's got raw power. Up, up the wazoo. I believe it's a 70 grade raw power and his game power is a 65. The difference between those two is raw power. Is just how strong is this guy? When he takes BP, does he just mash the ball out? Game power is when you see him in the game, how good is his power and his game power matches his BP power. And you don't get that very often. And the really cool thing about Joe Adele through the time that I spent looking at him was there's an interview that I saw where he actually, he took tips from his sister who plays softball to improve his game. The kid is, he's only 21 and he's exceptionally aware of who he is as a player and a person. And you don't get that very often. There's a few interviews where he's talking about, he just wants to get better every day. So he's talking to new coaches. He's talking to new players. He'll go to opposing teams, coaches and ask them what they see. He's always trying to learn. And when you've got that much athleticism with that much desire to get better, this is just a future MVP and a printing all-star written all over it. And I'm really surprised that he's not number one on MLB's ranking right now. I love this kid. I can't wait for him to be in the big leagues and be on my fantasy team and just to be able to watch him every day. And the crazy part is the angel system has actually said that he can challenge Mike Trout for center field, which is insane because Mike Trout is the best player in baseball. He's a damn good center fielder. And Joe Adele is going to challenge him for his position that he's had for the last 10 years and has already won three MVPs. It's crazy. Yeah, man, look, and and I'll say this. I, that was the comp I had down for him too, man, a- Andrew McCutcheon. And y- you look at him play right now, and it's – I'm not going to say it's like looking at his twin, but it's it's very similar. It's very similar. I can see a career arc where it, it, it's very it's very close, you know what I mean, where – You're really you know, McCutcheon, right. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's one of those things where Kutch started his, his career in center field. He, he eventually moved to a corner – and that's exactly what I see Joe Dell doing. You know, I, the, the one thing with Dell is 
it's kind of like my trout where I'm not in love with, with his arm. So I can see him playing left or center. I personally think the, the Andrews should stick him in center, have, have Mike Trout go, go to left field, which it, it's something that I know fans would be like, oh, you're going to take Mike, the best player of baseball, out of his spot. But I, I think Joe Adele can be that good defensively. Uh, you know, you, you pretty much said, said it all there, man. I, I love that comp. I, I had McCutcheon down in my comp for him too. Rob, what, what do you got on Joe Adele? Yeah, so the the McCutcheon comp was a was very solid. It's definitely a good one. Um, yeah, we we've talked about Joe Adele a bunch um, here in in a few of our episodes because he just is that hype, and he definitely should be. You know, I think the Nick Nick has him as the number one guy. Um, you know, overall in terms, but I'm I'm over here looking at the outfielders that are going to be coming up. I mean, yeah, the the competition is right there with with Adele, Luis, Robert, and someone like uh, Kellenic for for the Mariners in terms of who people you know, have here in the next few years being like the top outfielder coming out. Um, so he definitely, he's definitely going to have some good competition. But like I said, a good comp with, with McCutcheon. I think he is going to demonstrate some more power than McCutcheon when he does come up. But a very solid hitter. He's probably going to remain close to that 290-ish, 300 range. Um, I see him closer to 290 overall. But yeah, I think, I think, man, like for the Angels, you're just waiting for this guy to come up because the Angels are in such a better situation, you know, Yes, we have this sixty-game season, but you know, if we go to a if we go to a regular one hundred sixty-two game season or or something more than a hundred games next year, I mean, you have Mike Trout, you have Anthony Rendon, Joe Adele could potentially be that missing piece. You put those three together and the supporting players that the Angels have now, because they do have a lot of supporting players like a Fletcher um, or a Simmons, you know, that that bring a lot of different things to the game and can and can help bolster that that lineup and that defense. Um, so they're they're sitting pretty. They're hoping that Joe Adele comes up and hits hits his potential. I think he will hit his potential. I don't know if he'll take over center field for for center field for Mike Trout. Um, I could see him maybe doing it later on as as Mike Trout ages. I don't know if he'll take center field for Mike Trout right out the gate. But yeah, that it, it's definitely something pretty to look at, especially if you're an Angels fan. I mean, if you if you're looking forward to, uh, I think everyone as a baseball fan would be looking forward to that Trout Rendon. And Adele, you know, one, two, three in that lineup. So that that could definitely be an interesting situation for them. I'll say this: the one, the one part of the analysis I kind of disagree with both both of you on a little bit is I don't know if he's going to be that high average hitter. You know what I mean? And and now I'd say his game, a 280, 290 hitter, is considered kind of high average just because of the way we play the game. There's a lot of swing and miss to to, to his um to his game, which is has been part of his up and down with the with the Angels in the minor league system. There's been times where he was absolutely on fire and absolutely just tore it up to an insane level. And then those times where he struggled with that consistency. So we'll see. Obviously, only the future will tell. But that's that where was, I know I saw that too. And he does have a high strikeout rate. But that's where <laughs> his his baseball athleticism comes in. And more so than just him being an athlete, his his high hand his hand eye coordination is crazy because his swing. It's it's nice and slow through the not slow. It's nice and parallel through zone. It's a nice flat swing, <clears throat> but he makes some of the most crazy adjustments I've seen of a minor league hitter. And I think that's where, like, I definitely see the point about the strikeouts. He's just an aggressive guy. He does not walk a lot, and because of that, I think that's where you get the fear. But he's not going to be a Moncada type of high strikeout, low average guy. I, I feel real solid. He's I, his floor is two eighty to me. Because his hand-eye coordination and the way he can make adjustments on the fly is absolutely insane. And I, when I first saw him, I was definitely scared of that too. So I, I totally see what you're saying. But watching him more and more, 
he's he's got it. He's got something special where I think that you really don't have to worry about that. I think he's a two eighty floor guy, and maybe even at some point a batting champ guy. You know, for me, the reason why I don't have him as my top outfielder is because of that fear. You know, what I mean, I think that there, there's a world where he doesn't make enough contact to stick. And I know, and I know you said that the mentioning with the, the baseball and the athleticism and swing, which is something to talk about. But you know, it, it scares me a little bit. I, I'm I'm scared about it. It's it's what keeps. I think his floor is lower than than some of the other guys, which is one of the reasons why I don't have him that high. But while while we're on guys that Nick is high on. I'll get to my next guy, Joey Bart of uh, the former Nick Giants. You know, Joey Bart might have a chance to play this year, which is crazy to think about because <clears throat> Buster Posey is kind of the mainstay there, right? Buster Posey's making a lot of money. That contract isn't coming up anytime soon, but Giants draft a catcher that was rated really high. They, they, they spent a high pick on him. And, and here comes Joey Bart. And Man, Joey Bart's exciting for a few reasons. You know, you got all of his hands behind the plate. He's got soft hands. He has he has good receiving. He's a good receiver of the baseball. At you know, offensively, his biggest thing is his power. Now, with catchers, we, we talk about all the time, especially in the game we are now. If you have if you have a guy who can just mash home run, home runs like a Gary Sanchez or like Mitch Carver last year. That's an absolutely boost your lineup, and the Giants could use that kind of boost our lineup. So th- those are some pros. He's he's pretty athletic. He I don't think he's Adley Rushman athletic. I think he's a notch below that. But he's he's going to be a really solid player. Some some of the comps I have for him, and this is where <laughs> Nick might get a little mad at me because I don't necessarily have the, the greatest comps for for uh, Joey Bart here, but. We'll see. Well, I'll ask you right after we do this. Uh, what's it called? So my comp for him is Mike Zanino. Mike Zanino, really good defensive catcher. I, you know, gold glove caliber to, to some extent. And he, he's a power guy. Granted, he strikes out too much. His, he doesn't have a high average. I don't think he's meeting what people thought he was going to be when he was drafted by the Mariners. So, you know, there's room for him to get better. I don't think Joey Bart will struggle to that extent as far as, you know, putting the ball in play and things like that. But another guy who, when I saw Joey Bart, I kind of thought of was Jonathan Lucroy. And what I remembered was that great 2014 season with the Milwaukee Brewers and the kind of stuff Lucroy was doing, especially defensively. And that's someone that, you know, if if he has a Jonathan Lucroy type season, I mean, type career where, He's, he's an all-star. I think that's a very decent place to have Joey Bart at. You know, so, some, some of the negatives with, with Joey Bart that I don't really love right now, he has to get a little better at play discipline. I, I think he can definitely improve at, at that. You know, I mentioned his athleticism being a notch below uh, Adley Rushman. I think that if we look at the top defensive guys, I and mean, we're talking about Buster Posey, we're talking about JT Real Muto. We're talking about Yachty. Those are what I would have as my, you know, elite guys. I think Adley Rushman eventually, you know, is on par with that level defensively. I have, I have Joey Bart one notch below that, which you know, still really good if we talk about the guys we just mentioned. But I just don't think he 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 moves at that super great level at the catcher. He's a little bit slower than some of those guys, and you know, 
he has a lo- longer swing than I'd like for right now. And I think that's something he can adjust though. He, he shouldn't have a problem, problem adjusting that. You know, I think we see, we're seeing a lot of young guys come into the major league and they're making these slight adjustments and they're becoming really productive. But because of that, yo, Nick, we'll, we'll start with you, man. What, what do you think about Joey Bart and, you know, where I had him basically? The only part that I agree with you on is that he is not as athletic as Rushman. Everything else, I are we even looking at the same player? This is Buster Posey. This is his 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 upper level upper level comp for sure is Yadier Molina. The way he receives the ball, his arm strength, his quickness from getting the, his pop time, like I talked about earlier with Rushman. All of that is there. He's a great blocker of the ball because he sets himself up properly every single time. This kid works incredibly hard to be the best at his craft. As far as hitting, I do agree with you as well. He's not going to be a power hitter. Um, I, or Sorry, I don't agree with you because I don't think he's going to be a power hitter. I don't think he's got the Zanino power. And that's where I think a perfect comp for him is a prime buster Posey and Yadier Molina. 15, 20 home runs on a good year. But I think he's going to be a catcher that's going to be a 270, 290 hitter every single year. And once Yadier Molina is out of the league, this is your gold glove winner in the NL until he gets hurt is the way I look at him. It's to me, he already can call a game. I believe he went to Georgia Tech, if I'm not mistaken, and just absolutely he called every game from halfway through his freshman year. The head coach didn't have to do it. You don't do that in college. And the best thing that I heard about Joey Bart was when Bruce Bochy, who was a catcher and is probably maybe a top five manager in the history of the game, top 10 easy, in my opinion, he gave him nothing but compliments and said that he can't wait to see Joey Bart behind the dish because he gets to take the afternoon off. And he said directly, Buster Posey is the reason Matt Kane threw a perfect game. Buster Posey is the reason Tim Lincecum threw no hitters. He's the reason Jonathan Sanchez threw no hitters. And Joey Bart is going to be the reason that future Giants pitchers throw no hitters in perfect games. The way his intelligence behind the plate, the way he receives the ball, he's he's ahead of the game. He's already a manager behind the plate is kind of what Bruce Bochy was alluding to. And offensively, I think it's going to be just like a Buster Posey. And I'm so mad the Giants haven't brought him up and moved Posey over already, especially since they have the new leadership. Like this is the perfect time to do it. And that's was unfortunately another reason why I stopped liking the Giants so much was because I just how do you not bring this guy up? He's ready to play major league baseball behind the dish and catch major league pitchers. And Posey is not what he was. Put him over at first base. But I think Joey Bart is perennially the gold glove, the platinum glove winner in the NL, perennial all star, and has a true shot at MVP. He's the number one catcher in the minors, as far as I'm concerned. Ooh, that's a, that's so that's so spicy, yo, Rob. Who who do you, who do you have here, man? What, what what's your opinion? Because you might be in between us. You might you might have a side here. What do you think about Joey Bart? Yeah, so for for Joey Bart, I think I would have I would probably have to put it like a one A one B situation with him and and Adley. I think the thing with me in terms of how they're ranked is you see Adley's fourth overall right now. Joey Bart is fourteenth. They're properly ranked in terms of they are the top two catchers uh, in terms of prospects, in my opinion. I just don't think there's like a 10 player, essentially a 10 player, nine player difference in between the two of them. I, I think they're they're pretty close. I think the difference that I see in, in Joey Bart is kind of something that Nick alluded to in that this this is pretty much a grown man. 
Like this, this dude is like ready to just come in and go. I mean, he's 23 years old already. So like he's already a decent age, you know, he's not a, he's not a 19 year old, 20 year old who might need a year to adjust. Like this guy's ready now. Nick definitely made a good choice in jumping over to the pirates because apparently from everything that's been said in the last week, you know, Gabe Kapler and, and, and Farhan have said that they don't have plans right now for him to replace Buster Posey, which is the dumbest thing I've heard. It's it's absolutely the dumbest thing I've heard. Like you've never you probably never had an, an easier choice. Like bring him up now. Like you have the sixty games. It's not a normal season. Experiment. You have no no one is taking these sixty games like super super seriously in terms of in terms of the development of players. You get what I'm saying? Like like yes, there are players that are going to play this season, but like now's the time to bring guys up. You can use a small sample size. It's and see with that bats how they do and and all different types of things like that. Like Joey Bart is ready now. But suppose he just needs to move to the side. I agree with Nick. He's he's probably going to come in and and just go on on a defensive tear. I do think he's that good and he is going to be very impactful for that San Francisco team, especially ha- having some of the guys that they have there. I mean, I'm not necessarily a San Francisco Giants fan, but, you know, in, in terms of me, I always try to keep up with with all the Puerto Rican players that come into the league. And I know Pudge's son is over there. Derek Rodriguez is one of the starters for them. I think Joey Bart is the type of guy who could definitely help a guy like Derek Rodriguez out um, because he is that game caller. He does have that, that kind of Yadier Molina gene where he could – just pretty much run that pitching staff. Um, I think now's the time, man. Now's the time. I think the Giants are making a mistake by waiting. And uh, yeah, take advantage of, of this chance that you have with these 60 games and call up Joey Bart. I'll say this about the catcher position, though. You can be an above average catcher without necessarily being the most athletic catcher. So I consider Buster Posey a very athletic catcher. JT Romulo, very athletic catcher. Joe Maurer, when he was catching, very athletic catcher. Based on athleticism alone, I don't have Yachty there with those guys. But granted, I still would have would want Yachty as my catcher on par with those guys. You know what I mean? Because those are some intangible things you guys talked about as far as the game calling and the ability to handle pitching staff, especially when you're coming off a team that had Buster Posey and you're probably learning from Buster Posey because you're in camp with him. And I doubt Buster Posey is the kind of guy that's not helping him along. No, he so, is. He's... Bart's actually said he hasn't gotten very much from Buster Posey. That really? Sucks. Oh, wow. that's that's kind of surprising. Yeah, that, that that's terrible. <laughs> that that sucks. That that sucks for. I think that's just. Me. I think I honestly just think like that is like such a jealousy thing to me. Like I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Posey doesn't want Bart to like take his spot, which is like realistically not even like taking it. It's not like they're kicking you off the team. You get what I'm saying? Like Buster Posey yeah. still. Like you're still gonna be on team, man. You're still a former MVP. You're a three-time champion. Like, calm down. It's it's nothing that serious. It's just look, you're not 23. You're not a 23 year old like top prospect. Like it, the time comes for everyone where they have to move on. Like, it is what it is. That's legit. All it is is Buster Posey does not want to be moved from catcher, and he hasn't come out and said it yet. But my theory is that he wants to be better than Johnny Bench and Yogi Berra. And the only way he can do that is to stay there his whole career. And it sucks because what can you really tell a guy that's won three championships, a rookie of the year and an MVP? Like you really need to tell him like, Hey bro, your time's up. We need this kid cause he's better. Okay. Show me his jewelry. It sucks. But I think like, honestly, I would have loved for them to bring up Joey Bart last year if he didn't get his thumb broken in, in the fall league. But he should have been up last year to try to help the Giants go with some kind of run. If they weren't going to trade Mad Bum, they should have brought up Joey Bart. Because what are you trying to do? Control him until he's age 31? You really need his arbitration to go to age 31 season? Come on. 
<laughs> yeah. Yo, all right, man. Like, so, so, so a difference. Yo, so Nick has Joey Bart as the better catcher of the, the Bart-Adley-Rushman conversation. I have, I have Rushman. Rob, who do you have uh, between those two guys? I, yeah, so like I said, I, I would probably – overall, I'd probably lean 1A, 1B. But if I had to give the edge to someone, I'd probably give it a Bart. Ooh, okay. All right. Well, and, and we'll see as as stuff transpires. While you're while you're at it, Rob, give us your last per, the last prospect you want to talk about. Yeah, so uh, the last guy I wanted to take a look at is a guy who, as I was looking at at some of the lists, I felt I felt is a guy that's not necessarily talked about as much as some of the other guys or even some of the other guys in his position, and that's going to be Christian Robinson for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's currently MLB.com's number 43 ranked prospect. Um, he's an outfielder. He has played 126 games in the minors. In those 126 games, he has 21 home runs, 92 RBIs with a 281 batting average and an 840 OPS. Um, this was a kid that the Diamondbacks essentially uh, drafted or signed out of the Caribbean uh, from the Bahamas specifically. Dude is built. Like, dude just has a, a, a legit frame, 6'3", 190 pounds. And from what scouts are saying about him, he's a dude who is more than likely going to keep adding poundage. So we don't know if, because right now he plays majority of center field. They don't really see him staying there at center field a lot. I don't see him staying there either. He he does have that frame of like a corner outfielder. He's probably going to be a left fielder or right fielder for them. Right fielder more than likely because one of the good things about him is that he also has a very powerful arm. So that'll fit nicely in in right field where we've seen guys, um, you know, like Aaron Judge who have that that very strong arm. Um, he has very solid contact and he has a lot of untapped power potential. The reason I say untapped power potential is because simply simply put, he's young. In 126 games, he hit 21 home runs. Kid is still only 19 years old. He's not even tw- he's not even 21 yet. Like so that power potential can pretty much just be ridiculous. I mean, this could be potentially a plus 30, plus 40 home run guy for the Diamondbacks. Definitely a solid guy to to add to their team. And the reason why I'm trying to pay close attention to him is because from everything I see, not I'm not necessarily saying that they're going to be like great, great, uh, like top level tools, but he is kind of the one of those guys that fits that mold of like a five tool type of player. He can hit for contact. He can hit for power. He has decent speed. He has a very strong arm. His defense is eh. That's kind of like the the tool that he's going to be missing. Um, but I think he does make up a little bit for, um, for his defense with his athleticism. He is currently Arizona's number one ranked prospect. The thing with him, he also ranks 11th overall for outspiel, for uh, outfield prospects. Um, and if you look at those outfield prospects, I mean, we mentioned some before in, in Kalanick and, and Adele and Robert. And, like, think about it. He's 11th out of those guys. So, like, he's almost cracking the top 10. Like I said, number 43 overall. I'd probably even push him into that top 40 mix. Um, just because I, I think I think the potential that this guy has for for the Diamondbacks is going to be very very big. Um, the only thing with him is he has to stop swinging at bad pitches at times. Um, he does tend to get a little over anxious, but once again, he's young. It's it's something that's going to take time to develop. But I think when he's done developing, this is definitely one of those guys that I can see as a top level player uh, in Arizona. All right, man. Look, and I and I'll be quick because I don't really have much much on Christian Robinson. For me, he was he was a little bit too young to judge. I haven't seen, I wasn't able to to see enough for me to have a, a you know a crazy good analysis on him. So the one thing I was able to notice is that he's definitely still growing physically. He, he has not filled out yet. He is on his way. He's kind of like uh, Julio Rodriguez, who we've mentioned on the show, us being high on. Yeah, where Sim- similar build. Yeah, 
yeah, sim- similar build, but they're still growing. So it's hard to it's hard to really lock down where the end of the line is for the development of their of their you know bots and things like that. So I, I won't say much more on that. Other other than that, I don't want to. I'm not going to give you guys something I don't I don't really uh, believe. Nick, do you have anything on Chris Robinson? I want to thank Rob for bringing him onto the list because I he was not on my radar whatsoever, and I didn't watch a whole lot of video on him or anything like that. So I'm not going to have a good comp, but uh, I. I feel like I do a pretty good job of looking at some numbers and really being able to pick out some players that have some some good stuff to him. And although he has a super high K rate, which is what he's going to need to work on, somehow he still was able to bat 300 and 319 in two different levels of the Diamondbacks organization. And a number that I like to look at for prospects is ISO, which is slugging minus batting average which basically tells you what percentage of your hits are extra base hits. The major league average is 140. An all-star is 180, 190. And your elite guys are 210, 220. And in one of the levels of the minors, he had a 239 ISO. And that was with a 319 batting average, which means his slugging was 558. That's insanity. That's super high. That's a lot of power. And with his speed, it's not just home runs, although he does have that power. Um, my comp, just from looking at the numbers in a couple quick videos, and it's not body type whatsoever, is going to be Miguel Sano, where there's a ton of power, there is upside for some average, and he's just he's always going to be an annoying, difficult out, but it might very well end in a strikeout by the end of the at-bat. What I will say for him as well is he's 6'3", 190. So he's pretty thin. He's built very well, but he's very thin for that size. So to Rob's point, I think center field is where he's at now. But if he grows into his frame and adds on too much more weight, that's where it's going to slow him down and push him to a corner outfield. But at the same time, it might allow him to have even a little bit more power. But it was it was really good to look into him. Uh, the Diamondbacks, I'm really happy with what they have coming up. I picked him for 100 wins this year if it was a full regular season. And you add this in the mix of what's to come. I think the Diamondbacks are looking pretty good with this guy. All right, Nick, while you're at it, give us, give us your third and last guy. My last guy, I know I'm going to make a couple fans of the show happy with Jordan and some other A's fans, and I'm going to go A.J. Puck. And the reason I'm going A.J. Puck is because when he came out, he should have been number one overall. Uh, but I believe he had a little bit of injury in his last year at Florida. And also back then in 2016 when he got drafted, they just they always went with high school guys. So – he was the number one college pitcher picked, and he should have been the number one overall. He was sixth overall that year. This dude's 6'7", 248 pounds, and that is amazing because when you have that kind of weight with that kind of height, it's awesome. My comp for him is Cole Hamels. He looks a lot like Cole Hamels when he throws. He's got the same type of motion, same type of extension, but he's taller. And this is where Randy Johnson was so dominant is at 6'11", he releases the ball so much closer to home plate that hitters just, they have even less time. They already don't have enough time, and now they have less time. And A.J. Puck's the same guy. He's he's averaging 97 with his fastball and hits triple digits. He just got he came back from Tommy John last year in June and already made it to the bigs by the end of the year. So he's got what it takes from stuff. His slider is filthy. It's not a Randy Johnson slider, but it is a filthy, filthy slider. And it's it's definitely a swing and miss pitch. His changeup is good off speed. He doesn't do a good job with his release point on the changeup, which is why it's not that deceptive. 
but it's still a good change of speed. If he can somehow get the release point, this exact same as his fastball, it'll be very dangerous. And his curveball is a show me pitch, but it's still better than average. So he's got four above average pitches. What I'm really looking forward to this year and years going forward, this is this is a potential Cy Young guy every single year. Like he could be the number one pitcher in the game. And the year he got drafted, you've got guys like Jesus Lazardo, Shane Bieber, uh, Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, Carter Keeboom, Pete Alonso. All these guys are drafted in the same draft. And I think this guy could very easily have the best career because now that he's coming back from Tommy John, right now is when he's going to start getting his control back. That's the last thing for a pitcher that comes back after injury. And he's now two years removed from Tommy John surgery. He could really go absolutely bananas this year, especially if they don't put any restrictions on him. And then going forward, he is a number one ace, and not just of a staff, but in the major leagues. This is a Justin Verlander, a Jacob deGrom, a you know Max Scherzer type of guy that's on the A's staff. And there's to me, the sky is the limit. He's got everything you want from a pitcher, including the mentality of just go get it. I love this guy. Man, look, me and you got to stop agreeing. That, that was exactly my comp on AJ and AJ Puck was was Cole Hamels. He's a, he's a taller, goofier looking Cole Hamels just because he is so tall and he has the long hair. And right now, you know, he kind of looks like he has a little clown feet just because he is so 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 tall. But Cole Hamels was my was my comp for him too. My biggest thing with AJ Puck and what's going to take him to the next level is his off speed. Right now, I think if, if you look at his repertoire, that's kind of the question mark. His curveball wasn't as used in majors like last year because, well, first of all, he wasn't a starter for most of the time. He came out of the bullpen a lot, so that made him use his curveball less. You talked about his changeup. You know, as far as for someone being that big, he has really good command, which is rare to find because the taller you are, you have more moving parts, and a lot of guys struggle with that. Uh, yo, uh, Rob, do you have anything on AJ? Yeah, so I, I agree with a lot of, of what Nick said. Um, I think that he's going to make up a very solid part of, of Oakland's future. You know, you have the other the other top guy there who who I'm probably the, the biggest fan of um, on the show is is Jesus Luzardo, who's also, uh, I, I believe he is the top pitching prospect for, for Oakland. I mean, Puck is definitely one of those guys. I agree with Nick. His stuff definitely should have him ranked higher. But obviously, you know, he's going to, MOB.com is going to hit him with a the, with the little pushback because of the Tommy John. And, you know, guys get pushed back when they're injured, when they have a down year, anything like that. There's a lot of guys that you, when you look at this list, you look at, at like past the top 50, like that 51 to 100 range. There's a lot of talent in that range that is better than than is usually ranked and is just simply down there for, for injuries and things like that. Um, AJ is definitely one of those guys. I think he has nasty stuff. I think I think Oakland hopes that he develops into a solid number two because I, I still think that they see Luzardo as their number one. But like you also mentioned, I do think he ha- he has to work a little bit on his on his off speed stuff. Um, I think when, once he gets that down, I think his complete arsenal is, is just going to be filthy. And once he can get his control down as well. Um, but yeah, I think AJ is also one of those guys that we kind of want to see. Um, we don't want him to be super rushed, but I think it's about that time that things kind of fall into place for him and, and he kind of makes it work because he, he is already 25. Um, so, I mean, he can still come up at 26, 27 and, and definitely have a solid career. But, you know, uh, with this type of pitcher and the type of stuff that he has, I, I as a baseball fan, definitely want to see him up there to, to see the most that I can of him. 
I think that once if Luzardo and Puck turn into a solid one, two, and then, I mean, you're potentially talking about Sean Manaya being their number three. I mean, Oakland could be in, in serious driver's seats to, to seriously compete with these two guys. But yeah, definitely a solid pick by Nick. Um, I think AJ is definitely one of those guys that because he's falling down the list, a lot of people don't talk uh, nearly enough about him like they used to. And I definitely think that they should. I still think he has the stuff to be a very impactful guy in this league. I think what's going to be awesome when he's coming up is he's going, him and Luzardo, I think are going to push each other. And I think they're going to compete for not to be better than each other and to be the number one guy, but to be better each day. It seems like they have a pretty good brotherhood and that's going to be super exciting to watch. Right. Yeah. Yeah, And and that's their pitchers. And you're, you're looking at guys like chat like Matt Chapman and, and uh, Olsen there who kind of also, you know, you see them as the top two guys there. And then all the the supporting cast with uh, Ramon Laureano now and Marcus Simeon and everything. I mean, look, if 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 those two guys pan out the way that people expected them to, because like we said, uh, AJ used to be a lot higher ranked um, before the the Tommy John. So I think if, if both of those guys hit their potential, I mean, Oakland is going to be a very serious team. There you go, man. Oakland's in, in, in a very good situation where they have not to you could you could say you could throw Manaya in there even though he, he's getting a little older now well not older but he's not as young as uh, Lazardo and Puck but you have a great three left-handed headed monster there so good things coming coming out there in in Oakland all right so I'll mention my last guy and you know I'll, I'll make it I'll make it the pitcher I chose we we mentioned him a little bit when we did our Marlins draft when we were talking to Andre about the future of the Marlins. And one of the guys he was very excited about was Sixto Sanchez. If you have heard the name Sixto before, he was involved in that trade for JT Riomoto. He was originally a Philly. They traded him. They traded him to, to the Marlins. He was a he was the main part of that trade for the Marlins. Now, Sixto Sixto's kind of interesting to me because you you look at him pitch and you can and you think to yourself. This could be a really, this could be a really elite type pitcher. You look at his stuff; his slider is ridiculous, just movement all over the place. His fastball—he's one of those guys that he doesn't throw it straight. It sinks at ninety-five to ninety-eight. He's someone that he's going to give guys headaches. The biggest thing with him is—is is he going to be able to control all that? We don't we don't know. You know what I mean? The, some of the stuff I wrote down for, for Sixto is his secondary stuff is absolutely disgusting. We're talking about his, his off-speed. It is amongst the best in the minor leagues, and that's going to translate to major leagues in, in a very big way. Think about guys like Pedro Martinez who, yeah, they had that lightning fastball, but they made that money off the movement. You know what I mean? Especially that changeup. Uh, that change of a slider combination for him is going to be devastating. It, it is going to be what makes his money. That's going to be his money pitch. Everything he throws has some kind of movement. He doesn't throw the ball straight, which can be a blessing or a curse sometimes. You keep hitters off the mark. It's hard to square guys like that up. At the same time, guys like that also tend to struggle with command. But we've seen guys like that be very successful. So, for instance, I met Pedro Martinez. He was a guy who had movement all over the place, very successful. Roy Holiday. He's another guy that didn't really throw a straight fastball at all. Granted, his was more mechanical, where the, it was the way he gripped the ball. It wasn't just natural throwing motion like a guy like Sixo. And, you know, his biggest thing, I mentioned that sinker going from 97 to 98. That, that's ridiculous. 
the, the other guy that has that right now, we mentioned also a little bit back, was Brustar Grudel, and he's a reliever. Sixto's doing that as a starting pitcher right now. So, we'll, you know, the, the, the sky's the ceiling for him. Some of the cons I, I have for him is his arm slot's inconsistent, which can lead to those things like I mentioned about having command struggles and not being able to, to pinpoint regularly. It also is one of those things that can lead to injury over time if you keep changing your arm slot. And some guys could do it, don't get me wrong. But when you do it at the level where you're throwing it at 98, 99 miles per hour, that could tax your arm if your body's not really ready for that. So that's one of my concerns with Sixto going forward. You know, and one thing that I noticed, and this, this could change, it's, it's probably one of those things where it depends if he's on or off that day. Sometimes the, his, the ball comes out of hand, his hand and it looks explosive. Other times it, it looks a little bit like he's, he's forcing it there. It's not a natural throwing motion. You know, we talked about, about Logan Gilbert, and the ball comes out of his hand really nicely. It's not the same for Six, though. It, it's, it looks like he's kind of forcing it sometimes. Granted, does it matter all the time? No, he's throwing, you know, plus 90 on, on almost all his pitches, including his off-speed. So we'll see. It, it, as far as the comps I have for him, the first guy that came to mind was Luis Severino. And the reason why I say Luis Severino is we've, we've seen him develop that changeup when he, you know, before he – he tore his UCL and had Tommy John. The one big pitch that really changed things for him was that changeup. Now, Sixto's changeup is way better than Severino's was when he got up there. So that's exciting to watch. And the other guy that he kind of reminded me of, and this is, you know, he doesn't do everything he does, but was uh, Johnny Cueto. And Johnny Cueto, he's known for having a devastating changeup. He has really good off-speed stuff. You know, Sixto doesn't do the whole, you know, try to take off the, the – the batter's timing with the dancing before he, before his delivery. But everything after that is really similar to Johnny Cueto. But, yo, Nick, I'll, I'll throw it over to you, man. What's your what's your thoughts on Sixto? So I'm, I thank Rob for bringing up his guy. And Christian Robinson, I'm thanking you for bringing up Sixto because I've heard Sixto's name all over the place, top pitching prospect, and I could never figure out why because every time I look at his numbers, they're not that good. And so I watched some video. And my comp for Sixto is going to be Carlos Martinez. And I think it's a perfect comp from size to the way they throw and stuff. But for some reason, their results are never, they're never eye popping. And I'm glad you said that we agreed too much on the previous comps with, uh, with McCutcheon and with Cole Hamels, because I, he's, his walk percentage is elite. So he's, he doesn't walk anybody. It's, absolutely crazy his walk percentage the highest it ever was was 7.6 and it's been all the way down to 3.5 so he's walking basically at his best only one batter every nine innings that's greg maddox level so that's pedro martinez level so he doesn't walk anybody but he doesn't strike anybody out and it's weird because like you talked about his stuff like nobody should hit it it is 95 with tons of sink He's, his slider is not only wipe out hard, but he knows how to mix it up like Pedro Martinez did. He knows how to change speeds on it. So even though he th- throws one slider, he knows how to throw it multiple ways. So it ends up being two pitches. And his changeup is filthy. What I don't like about Sixto is he falls off. And I think when when a pitcher falls off, what I mean by falls off, I mean when he lands, he's falling towards his glove side. And since Sixto's a right-handed pitcher, he falls off to the first base side. 
The reason a pitcher usually does that from their mechanics is they're opening up early, and pitchers who open up early tend to show the ball to hitters. And anybody who's watched Carlos Martinez, he has the ball very high when he when he props it up to start his motion, and he doesn't hide it very well. And if you do that as well as you open up, you're pretty much showing the hitter what you're throwing. And one of the greatest things that I've ever heard any hitter say was Tony Gwynn. He looks for one thing. He looks for where the ball is going to be released. If he sees white, he knows it's either a fastball or a changeup because the hand is behind the ball. And if he doesn't see white, he knows it's off speed because he knows the hand is either in front or on the side of the ball. It's the most simple thing that nobody can do because Tony Gwynn is a master. But I think that's a perfect thing to bring up with Sixto because his mechanics, even though he falls off, are very repeatable. It's a compact motion like Carlos Martinez. And hes I don't think he's going to get hurt, but he shows the ball. And that's where he's not dominant. It's where Pedro Martinez, same type of height, same type of stuff, he hid the ball. His motion was compact, but he kept the ball behind him. And the hitters didn't see the ball until it was on him at 95 with sink. So Sixto is a very interesting case because if you just look at his stuff, he should be an ace and he should already be in the major leagues. But because he shows the ball early and often, hitters can hit him. He doesn't strike guys out. Luckily for him, he also doesn't walk guys. And my, my results comp for him is going to be, believe it or not, Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan should have been unhittable his entire career. And while he does have seven no hitters, he's also got, I believe, a career ERA over three. That's crazy to me. And I that's where Sixto is going to fall to me. Like just watching him pitch, he should be amazing. His results aren't going to be there. I hope it gets better, but I just don't see it. The one part I, I disagree with you as far as Nolan Ryan is you mentioned his, his impeccable strikeout. I mean, his impeccable like walk rate. You know, we, we mentioned in the past. That's something that Nolan Ryan didn't really have early on in his career. Yeah, I just meant like the ERA and stuff like that, like the, oh, the yeah, ERA yeah. and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, no. You see, for me, the the way I see Sixto is, I think as he as he continues to grow and as he continues to to excel at the stuff he's doing, you can you can throw strikes and not throw quality strikes. You know what I mean? So we mentioned, or we mentioned the fact that you know there's contact all over the place. Well. Walks aren't always the worst thing. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's better to miss off the plate than throw a strike and, you know, not walk hitters when that ball is, is hittable. So we'll, Very true. We'll, we'll see what happens with six, though. You know what I mean? I think, it you know, it might be a result of throwing too many strikes. And, you know, you, you mentioned that great rate, and sometimes it, it goes into that. But, yo, Rob, what, what do you think about six, though? Yeah, I'm I'm really big on six though. Um, I think that I the Marlins are one of those teams where I've been paying close attention to, especially since they traded away their their entire outfielder and since uh, their entire outfield and since Derek Jeter took over, um, with that ownership group, I've kind of been keeping tabs on them in terms of their prospects, and they have a good group coming up. Six though definitely headlines that class, and I think it's it's one of those things where the Marlins are hoping in a way that lightning hits again. Because unfortunately, they did lose Jose Fernandez, who was set to be the number one guy of that staff. I mean, like I said in the in the Marlins episode, I think honestly, Jose Fernandez had the stuff and and talent to be one of the best pitchers I've ever seen in my lifetime. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get to see his prime, but you know, um, Sixto is definitely one of those guys that can come in and take over that number one role. I see him fitting more comfortably, maybe as a top end number two. 
But I do think Miami is going to try to give him the shot to lock down the number one spot at some point. He is their top prospect. So you want him to come in there and, you know, stuff wise, he should come in and and dominate. I mean, there are some things that he can definitely work on with which you guys pointed out right now. He's the eighth rank pitcher. Um, I probably put him a little higher. I mean, stuff wise, you're probably talking top four like maybe top four top five like stuff wise i put him over some uh, uh some of the guys that are in front of him um but yeah he he like i said he's one of the guys that i've been i've been high on for a little bit especially coming over in that romuto trade i think losing someone like romuto you definitely needed to get your value back and i think they definitely got it with six though um i'm excited for the marlins i'm hoping he comes up and and he he kind of hits his potential I think he could potentially be the number one guy there. It'd be good for the Marlins. I think it'd be good for for fans to uh, potentially have Sixto be a number one too, because um, in a similar way to Jose, I think he's he's one of those guys who has a lot of potential to bring a lot of great charisma to this game um, that sorely needs it. I mean, there are a lot of guys who try to show charisma, and we've talked about this before, and get stopped sometimes. Um, I think the game is at a point where that's what fans want. We want charisma. We want to hear these guys have personalities. And I think Sixto is one of those guys that can definitely add to this group. Yeah, I think when it gets to a point where you're a fan, it's about entertainment at that point. You know what I mean? I think for the players, for the players, you always want it to be about winning championships and, you know, being the best player they can be. But as a fan, you also want to be entertained a little bit. You know what I mean? So I think you can do both. I mean, think about his name, man. With a name like Six, though, you already know, like, at some point, if he is good, there's going to be, like, some type of endorsement deal or or, or something, like, nicknames that people are going to have for him and stuff like that. I mean, simply off his name. Yeah, I'm pretty sure rappers are uh, licking their lips ready to get Six, though, songs out there. (laughs) Nah. All right, man. So we're going to go into a quick quick section here. And what we're going to do is... We're going to play the Goldilocks game with uh, the rest of the top 10 prospects. So what that means is you're going to tell me whether you think that that player is ranked too high, whether he's ranked just right, or whether he's ranked too low. And we're going to use, again, we're going off the uh, MLB top 100 list. So be quick. Before we start that, though, I want to give some context about the conversation we're having. And obviously it's going to go into this game. Look, there's no guarantees in baseball, man. Just like the the number one overall pick in football is in a is in a Hall of Famer, you know when he plays the same thing with baseball and their prospect list, right? So there's been a number of guys, a number of guys who've been top ranked prospect and they just their career either doesn't pan out or they're very underwhelming. You know what I mean? I think one of the most famous guys is like Matt Laporta. He was that huge name that came over from from Milwaukee in that. CC Sabathia trade, you know what I mean? If you're if you're a Cleveland Indian fan, you're probably really excited. Oh, you know what? We lost CC, who was his contract would expire anyway, but we got this guy who is a top prospect. He he projects to have a lot of power and be a middle lineup guy. Bro, I don't even know if he played, if he played a full season in the majors. You know what I mean? More recently, you guys you have guys that the Orioles drafted, right? Like Brian Mattis and Dylan Bundy, who these were guys that yo look. These are the top. They're going to be competing to be the ace of the Baltimore Orioles. They're top-ranked guys. They're top prospects. Man, we can't wait to see them. You know what happened? They both crapped out. You know what I mean? Bundy's on a one-year deal with Los Angeles, trying to make a career for himself. I can't even tell you where Brian Mattis is. I, I, I really can't. I'm pretty sure he lives in a farm somewhere. You know, Tim Beckham, 
comes to mind just a whole bunch of guys that that oh a better one Bubba Starling who made his MLB debut this year this was the number one draft pick in the same year that Mike Trout and Aaron Judge were were, were on the board so it, it's it's not it's an inexact science and especially with guys these this young and with baseball where it's such a skill specific sport where if you change one thing you can change your career immensely you know what I mean look at Max Muncie Max Muncy probably was never in the top 100, and now he's absolutely raking for, for Los Angeles. And all he did was he adjusted his swing. So this is this is you know it's fun to talk about because you see the the potential of some of these guys, and I, I, for for me it's fun. I'm sorry to go to, to segue into that, but let's go into our game of uh, what's that what's that name again? I, I keep on forgetting. Call it Goldilocks. The Goldilocks game. All right. All right, so we'll start. We'll go from from one to ten, man. And and Rob, I'll start with you. And, and you have fifteen seconds. It's a quick fifteen second breakdown, right? We don't we don't have that time for all that long shit here. We're ending it here. They don't yeah. pay us for this overtime crap, right? Yeah. Rob, Wander Franco. He's number one on MLB prospect list. What do you think? Too high. Too high. Right? Too, too, high, high. too high. He's gonna be a he's gonna be a solid prospect. Don't have him as my number one. All right, Nick. Same question. Too high, only because Joe Adele should be number one. Okay, wow, that's a plug for yourself. I, I have too high. I just think that he projects to be someone more like Jose Ramirez instead of Francisco Lindor, which is someone that you you might think of when you think switch hitting shortstop. All right, Gavin Lux. Nick, I'll start with you. Where you have him? Too high. All right. Straight and simple. All right, Rob, what about you? Uh, I'm going to say too high simply because I like some of, some of the uh, pitchers a little better than him. But uh, I'd probably just say top five, so not ridiculous, but a little too high. I have too high as well. I, I don't trust the Dodger system too well. I think once they get figured out, you kind of lose some of that specialness. And I see him being closer to somebody like Corey Seager than I do Cody Bellinger. So I, I'll say too high on that, but still in the top ten. All right, next guy, Lewis Robert. You guys can start hating now. Uh, Rob, you got first. He's the number three overall. Nah, he's too low because just like Nick said, Adele's number one, Luis Roberts my number one, so he's too low. And that's why I love you. Uh, Nick, where, where do you have Luis Robert? I think he's just right. There's two or three guys I would put ahead of him, so he's just right. You know what? I, that's not even insulting. You know, I have I have him as too low just because I, I do think he's, he's an immense talent. You know what I mean? So I, I'd say he's probably one or two, depending. There's some guys I could change on. All right, next guy, as, as long as we're keeping it with my favorites here, Mackenzie Gore at number five. Too high, too low, just right. Uh, you're the pitcher, Nick. What do you got for us? Well, you skipped over Adley Rushman. He's Adley Rushman's too high for sure. Uh, oh, Mackenzie, that's why we, we talked about Adley at, at, at length. That's why I'm okay. skipping over that. My bad. So I think Adley Rushman's too. I didn't say that earlier. Uh, Mackenzie Gore, I think he's too low. I think he's number two for me overall. See, that's why I love you too, man. I know I keep you guys on the show for a reason. <laughs> Uh, yo, Rob, what do you got, Mackenzie Gore, man? He's too high. He's too high. I, I, I mean, I'm not bought on Mackenzie Gore. I've said, I've said it before. If, I mean, if you don't even have like Lizardo in the top ten, of course he's too high. Update your fucking resume. Now, um, I have, I have Gore as he, he's in the top three for me. And anyway, you slice it, top three, and he's probably my top pitcher. All right, back to pitching with Nick Casey Casey Mize. I think he's too high. Uh, I I know why he's there. He's got all the pedigree, but I don't. I there's four pitchers I like better than him overall. All right, Rob. Yeah, I'm gonna say. Mm, 
Uh, I'm gonna say he's just right. I'm gonna say he's just right. I might move him a spot or two, but I can't really argue with someone who who has Casey Mize there. I do have guys in front of him. Uh, you mentioned Lazardo and stuff like that. I do have Lazardo in front of him, but for me, Casey Casey Mize is just right. I don't really. And we'll go over to our next guy, but with Casey Mize, I saw the College World Series. He kind of got hit around by an Auburn team who probably has three draft picks. So, you know, what are major leaguers going to do to you? you know, I, I don't know. I, I think he's I think he's a, a little too high. Maybe, maybe he does just, have a no hitter. He does have a no hitter. I mean, yeah, that's that's something. Yo, uh, Nate Pearson, back to you, Nick. Where do you have him? Just barely too low. He's just right or too low, but just barely too low. All right, Rob. Yeah, similar. Uh, barely too low. I, I would say just right, uh, but I do like Nate Pearson is like my number one guy. I like him more than than Mize and, and Gore, and I have him and Lizardo right there kind of neck and neck with each other. So I would say a little low, but leaning towards just right. I'll say too high based on his age. So we, we, we've heard about the electric stuff, but he's already 23, and he, he's, you know, he's, he, I, I want to say he's had injury issues in the, in the past. We know he's he's a big right-handed he's a big right-handed pitcher who throws plus 100 on occasion. So for me, he's just right to too high. All right, next guy, Rob, we'll start with you, Royce Lewis. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say too high, uh, simply because I'm not super down on him, but there are definitely better names and and close. I mean, you look at a Jared Kalenic and and Luzardo who are right there at 11 and 12, or even a Joey Bart at 14, who I who I like better. Nick, what about you? He's too high only because his top skill is speed and this game isn't built for speed. And yeah, I would leapfrog Joey Bart and Brendan McKay way over him. Yep, I agree. Too high. Trade that man for some pitching, Minnesota. What the hell are you thinking? All right. And while you can. What's up? And while you can, because when he comes up, he's not going to excel, I don't think. Uh, Absolutely, man. And I tend to agree with you on that. Even though he's young, he's only 21, just started drinking last year. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. Rob, what about you? What do you got? Yeah, I think uh, for me, I'm going to go similar. I mean, I, I think nothing against Bobby Wood Jr. I think he could be very solid for Kansas City. But I think if, you, if you're looking at the guys who are right there, the, the ones I just mentioned, Kalenic, Lizardo, Bart, even Nick brought up uh, Brendan McKay, or even a Julio Rodriguez at 18. I, I, there are a lot of names who are probably going to do better when they come up and probably deserve to be higher right now. Nick? Way, way, way too high. This is disgusting how high he is. He's not even in my top 20, I don't think. Damn. Yeah, you see, and here's where I differ, man. I think he's too low. I think Oof. he's too low. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna be a player, man. I think he's gonna be really I, I and here's part of it for me is I don't trust the Kansas City Royals farm system, front office, or any of it. So why do you see why do you say he's too low? I'm interested in that. All right. So first of all, he has the pred- the pedigree with the MLB father and things like that. Second, look, he's 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 a really young kid. I think he still has room to to grow out. I see him potentially being a 18 to 22 homer guy at the shortstop position. I, you know, I, the, the way that these lists are made, I don't necessarily think, oh, oh, look, if he's a top 10 prospect, this means he's an automatic all-star. I think this, these kind of lists are relative to who's on it, right? So, you know, a guy who's number 15 here, like Brendan McKay, I don't think Brendan McKay is going to be that good of a player. I think there's guys – further on the list that are going to be way better than Brendan McKay, but because of where he falls on the list and because he's so close to, to being the majors, he actually, he's already pitched some major league innings and he's dealt. Like, what's up? And dealt. He did great. 
Eh, yeah, he did, he did he did really good. But I you see, but I don't love him. I think there's a ceiling there for him. So you know, it all this stuff all this stuff is relative. You know what I mean? So so who they who they are with each other. I think when you when you compare somebody like if I'm looking at the shortstop right now, like Royce Lewis and Bobby Witt Jr. Give me Bobby Witt Jr. all day. Wander Franco, I you know for me it's debatable. Gavin Lux, I think it's debatable. So um, but again, we'll, we'll see. He's only 20 years old. Uh, because if he, he was had, on the Blue Jays, I would like him a lot better. That's for sure. If he was what? If he was on the Blue Jays, I would like him a lot better. And that's a that's unfortunately that's not something we can do for you. Uh, you mentioned you guys mentioned a couple of these guys, and just because we mentioned them, I, I, I want to just ask where you think you are. Jared Jared, Jared Klenick, I know Rob says he's too high. Uh, Nick, oh, about you? Oh, no, he's too low. I mean, he's too low for you. He's too low for you. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa. Don't don't start the hate <laughs> talk with Jared now. <laughs> so you have him at too low. Nick, where you have him? I really haven't looked into him a whole lot. Like I've said it before, I'm not a prospect guy, so I kind of have to have one of these shows to really look into some of the guys. So I'm going to say just right, but there's no basis behind that whatsoever. I, I agree with you. I do have a basis for it. I think Jared Clinic is just right. I think a lot of the stuff that people are projecting is very hopeful for, for a guy of his stature and things like that. He's 6'1", 190. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I can see him being really good, but I could also see him being a, a really average player to, to an above average player. Lazardo, uh, we already had Nick say – I mean, we had Rob say he's too low. Nick, where do you have him? He's too high. And the reason I say he's too high is because I have his teammate, A.J. Puck, ahead of him. But also uh, there's a podcast I listen to, uh, Baseball Holics Anonymous, and there's a guy – I can't remember his name right now, but he does breakdowns. And he just tore down Jesus Lazardo's mechanics – and said that he will be surprised if he doesn't have two Tommy John surgeries in his career unless he changes stuff, and that his his tunneling and his his pitch predictability from a hitter is once major leaguers get to see him often enough, he doesn't come out of the same arm slot with a fastball and a changeup or a slider or a curve, and he's going to be tipping his pitches. And when major league hitters see that, that they're going to start being able to hit him. And with the amount that I've listened to this guy – and his, the amount of times he's been right on pitching mechanics, uh, I it blew my mind to see that, and I've never seen him live. So um, I, I'd be cool if he's right there at 12 and he's right, but I think he's too high based off some of the other stuff that I've heard uh, about him. I'm going to go too low. I, I tend to agree with Rob here. I think his, his potential is enormous, but I will say this, injury concern is a big concern. I, I can see also see him being a guy that is one pitch away from – having a really struggling career I'll, you know we'll do we'll do the last two guys here christian pache uh rob too high uh too low just right i'm gonna say he's just right I, I i like his potential for atlanta very nice nick yeah just right he might sneak in the top 10 i would put him above guys like bobby witt jr and royce lewis so i would say he's probably just a little bit too low to just right for me for me he's just right i have him right there with, with uh jared clinic and uh, I think he's not cl- he's not as good as Joe Adele. I think there's notches between both those guys, but I, I think he's closer to, to Jared Klenick and and outfielders in in that range like Julio Rodriguez. All right, last guy here, we we brought him up already. Brendan McKay, uh, Nick started off, man. I think he's way too low. I would probably have him in my top five because I would put it more on the idea of what I think he's going to do over a career. And he did very well last year's intro into the bigs. And I think Tampa Bay is going to know how to use him for a long, long time. All right, Rob. 
Yeah, I think he. I think he's a little too low. I don't, I don't think he pushes towards the top five like Nick. I think he he pushes more towards the top ten. Um, but yeah, Tampa Bay is going to have their options open with him. So he's another one of those guys who uh, we might see him hit a little bit as well. Um, so we'll see what he does. But yeah, I think he's a little bit too low. I think he's too high. I have pitchers on this list that I that are ranked lower than him based on MLB's top one hundred that I would definitely take before Brendan McKay. I think at, at his ceiling, he's a He's a three. You know what I mean, I think he's gonna be a solid, solid guy. He's gonna go out there. He's gonna, he's gonna throw you some innings. He'll get you to the next day without too much pain, hopefully. But I don't, I don't see anything special out of Ben and McKay. Um, that, that that's it for our show, man. That's that's a good place to end it at the number top fifteen ranked prospect, Nick Rob. Thank thank you for coming on and and doing this. I know it, it took uh you know a decent amount of research. So so thanks for doing that. Do you guys have any finishing points before we get out of here, Rob and Nick? Uh, yeah, no, like two quick things I wanted to say just simply because I, I didn't want to, you know, take up uh, the listener's time too much. But two guys to pay attention to, especially in the pitching department, who I think are ranked way too low in the current rankings right now. I'm going to say Spencer Howard for the Philadelphia Phillies at number 34. I think he's a he's another one of those guys who could definitely crack top 25, maybe even push into top 20. I think his stuff, once you actually look into his numbers, his stuff is is filthy. I, I, I you know how you say, um, what's this guy? Who's the guy that you say is like uh, J.D. Martinez light? Oh, Nick Castellanos. Like yeah, when you yeah. say Nick Castellanos, like J.D. Martinez light, I think Spencer Howard is a little bit like Nate Pearson light. Like I think Nate Pearson is definitely should be ranked higher, but Spencer Howard, I, I think, just has as, as much as filthy stuff. And then also just Clark Schmidt for the Yankees. I think he's their number two prospect. But, I mean, you you and I being Yankees fans, we've seen videos of him recently. I mean, he's he's making guys look foolish out there with his breaking stuff. Um, and definitely an underrated guy at 88 overall. Definitely think his stuff is way higher than 88 overall. And a guy who could potentially break into the Yankees starting rotation, maybe in this 60 games, but probably next season. I don't want to talk about it. I, I don't like Clark Schmidt that much. I think he's he's actually going to a bullpen. We'll, we'll have that conversation some other time. All right. Nick, any face remarks? <laughs> yeah, number 40 overall in MLB, Nick Madrigal. This is this era's Paul Molitor. His hands are quick. His swing is sweet. Uh, keep a guy out. The White Sox are happy to have him. And Kiber, Rubi, uh, Kiber Ruiz, uh, I did a lot of research on him because there was so much hype, and I was wondering why. The tools and the potential are amazing. He just looks so lazy behind the plate. I was hoping to get a chance to get to him maybe on a future episode. But watching his videos, and the good thing about the Dodgers is they do hype up their prospects. They have videos everywhere along the line, so there's plenty to watch on him. He looks so lazy behind the plate, like he thinks he should be in the majors already. The tools are there. I I hope his attitude changes or I'm just wrong. But I, I don't see the hype on him. I don't see why he would be untradeable. And it's that was an interesting one for me to research. I'll give you a quick note on that just because he was somebody I want to talk about. Look, Kyber Ruiz, he is the better offensive player as far as, I think, consistency at the catch position over Will Smith. Will Smith is a better defender, though. And where the Dodgers are right now and, and their systems and, and analytics, Will Smith is a better fit for them right now than Kyber Ruiz is. But Kyber Ruiz is, is a guy that can absolutely – do some special things with the bat, not power wise. I don't expect him to be a big power hitter, but yeah, I saw him like a Salvador Perez comp. Uh close. Who did I have for comp for him? I, I don't even, I don't even have a comp for him, but you know, 
point is that's a, that's a storyline to watch if, if he does come up and if he does get some time in front of in front of Will Smith, which isn't isn't ridiculous, man. And since we're mentioning some last guys as we're going out here, look, Julio Rodriguez, I've loved this dude since he was 17. Look out for him. Uh, Andrew Vaughn from the White Sox. We, we've talked about their system before. He's another, he's a first baseman there that I'm, you know, I was surprised when they extended, uh, what's the name? Uh, Jose Abreu because I thought Andrew Vaughn might be that next guy there sooner than later. But he, he's someone to look out for. And yeah, we'll catch you guys next time. Find us on SAW's Facebook page. That's where we talk most of our crap. Also, you know, follow our fan page. You know, give us a like. We have cool stuff there. Eventually, we're going to get to a point where we're doing we're doing videos and putting things out, out there on our YouTube channel. So look out for that. But other than that, yo, thank you guys for being here. And we'll catch you guys next time, man. Toodaloo.